Hey friends, welcome to Wild Confidence Podcast, where we help one another find, keep, and share our confidence in Christ. I'm your host, Ainsley B. It's an honor to bring you some inspiring conversations with amazing guests. Before we hear today's conversation, I want to kindly ask if you'd leave a five-star review and share this episode with a friend who might like it. I'd also love to connect on Instagram, so find me at Ainsley B. Okay, I can't wait anymore. Let's get to know our guest. My friend Pri is here with us today. I'm so excited, y'all. Pri is the founder, CEO of Full Collective and host of the Yes and Amen podcast. She is a coach, advocate, creator, writer, Bible teacher, entrepreneur, and social worker. She is a Black Latina living in New York City with her husband and son. You are going to love her. Let's get into this conversation with Pri. Pri, welcome to Wild Confidence. How are you today? I'm good, girl. I'm in the middle of nowhere, but I'm surviving. (laughs) Yeah, let's actually give a little bit of context to where you are. First of all, let's say that you and I talk pretty much almost every day on Marco Polo with our friend Bethany. So that group chat is literally one of the best parts of my day, even though I come up like a zombie half the time. It's the best part of my day. Um, But you're in the middle of nowhere right now, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but you're from New York. I am from New York City, but I'm in North Carolina. Um, I'm here for a LifeWay event. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I see deers. I see things, you know, that are scaring me a little bit, but I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it because God is good. But yeah, I'm a little terrified. <clears throat> a little terrified. My favorite thing about today so far is that you, there's a deer on the wall that somebody mm-hmm. put up and that you were like, this is one thing I'm scared of. And I'm literally in my kitchen like, oh, there's a deer on my wall right now. <laughs> It's just so funny. She's staring at me and I'm like, hey, friend. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You were alive at one time and now you're not. Right. And you're just displayed. You're on display. (laughs) That is so weird when you really think about it. Yes. Yes. And the people in the South don't think about it, but you being from New York and like a true, true New Yorker that like Mm -hmm. doesn't have their license because you don't need to drive. Nope. Nope. It's like incredible. And I don't see deer in New York. So... Why are they in front of this house? <laughs> yes. And why are they inside of the house on the wall? Just questions, you know, I have while I'm here. Just questions. Why, why are you on. inside the house and why are you outside of the house? That's what I'm journaling about this weekend. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. I love it so much. I'm so glad you're having this experience. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So against the business. You're doing some incredible things. I just love your guts and I want everyone to know about all the things you're doing. So let's get into it. What are you working on right now that you're excited about? Um, so I'm working on my first book proposal, uh, yeah. which I'm, which I was very excited about first. I'm still very excited, but I, I'm in a very kind of decisive place of trying to figure out next steps on really honing in on the topic. Um, I'm kind of what we're going to be talking about today. It's something that I'm known to talk about a lot. And so, yeah, just trying to discern um, around that. I'm having a retreat in January in Costa Rica, which I'm very excited about. So through my ministry, I host retreats, um, not in 2000, not post-March 2020 for a while, but um, resuming that. Um, And yeah, that's pretty much it. Next year I'm working on, well, right now I'm working for a conference, working on a conference for next year here in New York. Um, so I'm excited for that. Yeah. That's a lot planning. That's why I'm doing it now. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Okay. You mm-hmm. said your ministry. Tell us more about what that is. Cause I know you also have a podcast too, right? 
Yes, yes. So I okay. have, um, my ministry is called Full Collective. I founded it in um, April 2018. And the vision behind it was to create space for women uh, that, that it would look like heaven and that it wasn't necessarily had to feel that it was associated to a church. And when I see say heaven is that it wasn't targeted to a specific race, age, relationship status, just women, women um, who love God mm -hmm. or seeking God too, because there's some women who are part of this community that are just trying to figure it out, right, when it comes to Jesus. Um, and so I just create courses and spaces and retreats for women to be able to experience it together and collectively. That is awesome. I love it so much. And then your podcast is called? The Yes and Amen Podcast. <laughs> not, not, not Yes. <laughs> yes not yes yes <laughs> I needed yes. you to say it that's what I needed and <laughs> I needed you to say it because it's just so good oh my gosh I love it okay and then I started following you on Instagram I think Caitlin uh may have co connected us and love mm -hmm. everything that you put out all of your content and just your heart for um full collective and women in general on their faith journey but you and I have specifically talked a little bit about church hurt. So that's what I want you to kind of cover a little bit more today, if you're open to it, because I feel like that's a really big conversation right now, you know, mm -hmm. church hurt, and then that deconstruction of the faith, like all of those things. Why do we think it, it's even a conversation right now? Because we're a mess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, yeah, in, in some ways it's because we're a mess, but because it's it's trending in, in the sense of we find out so many scandals, you know, that are happening <clears throat> publicly, but also probably even in our own communities and things that don't show up in the news and stuff like that we're um, finding out. And so my, you know, the, the problem sometimes with things that are trending is that it will die down. And the problem yeah. with something dying down and still being a problem when it dies down is that then restoration um, doesn't happen or the addressing of it doesn't happen, right? So like mm -hmm. this hype right now, of like justice and of racism and addressing and all that and church hurt, it's going to die down. And when it dies down, the problem will likely still be there. Um, so trendiness is never a solution. Um, it can bring light to a situation circumstance, which is in some way a good thing, but sometimes it, make, it makes it so overwhelmingly present that people kind of distance themselves to even do something about it. So they're aware of it, but they don't necessarily do something about it. So there's a good and bad part of like something being so um, in or popular or known in the moment. But yeah, I think it's mainly because we have so much access to knowing scandal, church scandals are not new. They've been happening for 2000 years, yeah. <laughs> but we have social media. We have all these things now to be able to know about them quicker and also in more detail. Yeah, you're so right. And I think that's interesting. Just the idea of the awareness without the action, mm -hmm. because that's so, that happens so often with all of these, just the idea of trending things. I'm thinking yeah. of um, not just the idea of church hurt or deconstruction, but the Me Too movement and all of these things. Like, yeah, lots of conversation, but where's the action? Exactly. Yeah. So, how do we, but the, the I guess the other question I'm thinking of is like, I do want to take action, but I also don't want to take action with ignorance, right? Like I want to be fully educated on what I'm talking about. So I can take the right action because, you know, the wrong action is just kind of like boo-boo anyway. Yeah. So how do we take, 
how do we make sure that we're fully educated, I guess, mm. is the question. Yeah. I think the first thing is always to listen. Mm. I think we could be so quick to act. And I think actually the, the quick to act is a very much savior complex. I'm just going to fix it. I'm just going to help. I'm just going to, I'm going to go mm. to wherever I'm going to do the protest. I'm going to do the mission trip. Like, let's take a second. <laughs> let's mm-hmm. relax. Let's take a deep breath in and out. And then listen to people, listen to people who are actually in it and are experiencing it. Um, And when listening, again, still not with a savior complex, right? Not trying to maybe even act in that very moment, creating space to listen. Because so much of, um, I think when it comes to Me Too, church hurt, racism, all this stuff is a lack of belief. It is a lack of full belief that the person has actually experienced the things that they experience and that they're feelings about it are valid the thing Mm -hmm. about trauma is that you and I Ainsley can have the exact same experience and come out of it differently because of the way our brain our body and our mind perceived it so we whoever is listening to us needs to simply listen and not say well Ainsley you know she's moved on and she's doing good or well pre like healed or pre hasn't forgiven like they were in the same situation everyone responds to trauma differently. (laughs) And so that is why listening is a huge component of it because by actually listening the way Christ would, right? With openness, with dignifying the person, then we are more likely to end up in a place of believing someone. And then believing someone can then take you to a place of action. So by saying, okay, I believe you, what can we do about this? Mm-hmm. literally what can we do about this I actually have a friend something happened to her and I, I went through that process and she said I don't want to do anything I don't want to report nothing like that and I was like that is I, that's what I will do because it is what happened to you I no matter how much I want to fight and go up on a stage and you know communicate that this person or this pastor um did this it is your story I believe you and if you don't want to do anything then that is my action I will do nothing because you, you said so Um, And so it's a process. It's listening, believing, and then acting based on what that person most desires or needs for healing. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking my brain is going in two different directions. So I don't know which route to take. (laughs) One of them is that I have two friends in an extremely similar situation Mm -hmm. that are handling it so differently And one of them is becoming a victim to their circumstances. And one of them is becoming a victor of their circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, wow, like just, it's just so interesting to think about how these two people are experiencing such similar things and they're coming out of it with totally different attitudes, ideas, uh, resolutions, all of those things. Um, Then the other thing that I'm thinking of is like, okay, Listening is definitely the most powerful thing I think that we can do right now or just ever in whenever we're trying to understand anything, especially about someone else's experience. So I'm thinking of um, whenever just whenever George Floyd died and I was leading some students and I had a, I had like one group, half of them were white, half of them were black. My job was to care for my students in the best way that I possibly could. And honestly, the biggest thing that created change was listening. Mm -hmm. And they all had different perspectives. They were all experiencing this same tragedy 
in such different ways. And it was just so fascinating to hear what the, and I couldn't do much, you know, physically Mm -hmm. uh, I could not do a ton, but the listening, the power of listening was so healing. Yeah. I think, and and this is from what, you know, they were saying, I'm not trying to make myself be a hero just because I sat there and listened. I'm just saying I had to learn that lesson Mm -hmm. that I really was, my hands were kind of tied as far as like, I couldn't physically save anyone, but I could sit there and listen to the heartache of these students. Mm -hmm. And And that's that's effective in itself. I think people um downplay the impact and the effect that listening does and so that's actually I think why they don't do it they're like well I would be more effective if I just said I spoke up and I said something I'm like no you would be more effective if you shut up yeah (laughs) listen you know like but and and so there is some sort of kind of like understanding that we need to grow in on what is effective approaches to injustices and effective approaches to community and being with humanity like there are just some kind we, we want to talk about like things that are quote, quote common sense that should develop into a thing that is common sense that we yeah. should listen before I mean the bible literally says be slow to speak yeah <laughs> be <quiet>. literally biblical <laughs> to listen <laughs> oh yeah okay so another thing that you've mentioned is like is the conviction to be a part of the restorative process. What does that mean? I'm like, I'm going to try not to talk a whole lot about this because I am <laughs> like, like I, I'm very passionate about this idea um, because I think it's the missing link in mm. this whole religious trauma, deconstructing church hurt situation. Right. So I'm actually going to highlight two scriptures. So John 16, eight says, and when he mm. comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So we sometimes have this very Christianese idea of conviction. We'll say, well, I haven't been convicted yet, or I haven't been convicted to leave there yet, or God hasn't called me there. You don't need a conviction. I promise you, the Bible already tells us what to do. Mm. Like literally it's, it's telling John at 16, eight is saying, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness, meaning when Jesus came. So 2000 years ago, all the convictions we ever needed for our life were already established and it's found in the word of God. So I think we, we look to be convicted too much by the Holy spirit. Um, when it's like, it's in the Bible, the Bible tells you how to treat people. The, the Bible tells you how to listen to people. The Bible tells you how to approach um, disagreements and pastors who are bugging and all this stuff. Like it literally tells us everything. So we actually don't need conviction when it comes to this topic, right? So often the, the things that I'll hear when people say it's conviction, like, oh, I haven't been convicted to leave this church, even though it's chaos. I haven't been convicted um, to <laughs> um, respond to the pastor, or even, even if I know what he did, like to like hold him accountable or go have a conversation with him. Or I haven't been um, convicted to really like, um, you know, do anything about my friend's circumstance who was, you know, hurt by the church or, or traumatized by the church. That's wild to me because all of those things are found in the Bible on how, what to do about it. Isaiah 117 says, learn to do right, Mm -hmm. seek justice, defend the oppressed and take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. It's telling Mm -hmm. you what to do. If you're looking for a conviction, it's in the sky. The dove's going to come go to Isaiah 117, <laughs> you know, so it can be very frustrating. 
um, as someone who's been hurt by the church, but also just witnessing the passivity, the passivity of people um, within the church, because it's like they're waiting. We, we use both the two C words that are so Christianese, called and convicted. Oh, I am called to this place. I'm called to this. I am convicted. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. But is this place detrimental to the body of Christ? And while you're called there, are you doing something to reshape the, the hurt that it has caused? Or are you just saying, oh, by my presence alone, things will change. That's not, that, that is not going to happen. So there's this, this strong passivity. Um, and often, you know, I think we've talked about this too, of just saying like, especially if it hasn't happened to a person specifically, mm-hmm. um, they'll disconnect from it and just say like, yeah, that was really devastated or devastating. Or they'll be like, oh, you know, but he's so nice. To, like the pastor's so nice to me or she's so nice to me. I'm like, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I'm sure Hitler was very kind to some people he knew. Yeah. Like I'm sure yeah. like yeah. He, he couldn't have been an evil person to all people he knew. So if we use that excuse or, or conviction, <laughs> then we are making it more about us than the truth that God provides and the care that other people need and the dignity that other people need. So conviction is just a heavy, you know, I think when, you know, conviction, like, oh, do I want to celebrate Halloween or conviction or like what kind of church to go to? All that stuff is different conviction than like literally using conviction as, a, as an excuse to not stand for people who have been oppressed, uh, for people who have been hurt and dehumanized. That is not that there's no needing to wait for conviction around that. Mm. I'm thinking of so many things right now. Like my brain's like, it's like a pinball. (laughs) Y'all, it is happening. I am so excited to finally bring you the book that I've been working on called Don't Date a Boo Boo Dude. It is a guide to raise your standards, realize your worth, and remove shame from the dating game. I'm writing this book on a mission that girls everywhere will embrace a wild confidence in their identity in Christ and fulfill the calling that God has placed on their lives. Y'all, it's time to raise the bar, link arms, and fix our crowns. The book is available now. Go get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the places, all the things. I'm so excited to share this with you. Okay, so how do we defend privately versus publicly yeah you know mm-hmm. I, what does that I, look like I always say it, it has to do with the person like you have to mm-hmm. ask if it's your own thing if it was your own experience then that's you know something to process through and seek guidance in I think even that shouldn't be solo um solo decision because our hurt can cause us well more than likely most of the time cause us to go public like it's just gone it's just going to so yeah, we need community to help us discern is this a public matter or should I deal with this privately? Um, And then when it comes to other people, that's the component of like that formula I was giving of just like after believing is asking the person, what what can I do? What should I do? Or like, you know, what can I do to help you? Um, Some people will say nothing. And that's going to be really hard if like you're heartbroken, right? But the thing about nothing is actually not nothing. In the case of my friend who that happened to and she said nothing, I did nothing towards and against the pastor, but I have been consistent in her life. I have Mm -hmm. been, you know, discipling her, walking alongside her. She moved, you know, far away. Um, I'm going to visit her soon. Like I 
you asked me to do nothing, but I'm going to help you heal. I'll do nothing on the other end because I have no right um, to advocate for you unless you allow, you know, you know, you approve and allow me to, um, but I will be there for you. Right. Um, and so there's mm. always something we can do, even if someone says nothing. Now, if they do say like, well, I don't know, maybe like talk to the pastor or like, you know, maybe I don't know, report like talk through it and brainstorm on ways um, that, yeah, it can be approached. Um, I think honestly, there are so many circumstances where perhaps, um, and I keep using the example of pastor, but there are just Christians that are hurting people. It's not just pastors. Yeah. Um, so it, where someone, a Christian is confronted and they, that they've traumatized someone or hurt someone and they do repent and they do apologize, right? Like privately, mm-hmm. like, I, I, obviously that's not going to show up in the news, <laughs> Yeah. but like, I believe that that is happening because the body of Christ is not fully broken. Like God is still mighty and powerful. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in the pub, more public spaces, like when we think about Mars Hill, like, you know, he hurt hundreds, maybe if not thousands of people. Um, so that would be a public thing. And actually um, on the podcast, um, the guy interviews a son of a man who was like hurt. And, you know, he went up to the, that past, I don't remember his name. Um, and he, he did, he chose to not apologize and repent. Right. And, and this guy asked him privately. Um, so there will be instances where that doesn't happen. And then a whole podcast come out, comes out out of you. <laughs> comes yeah. out about you. <laughs> um, but I think there's actually several routes we can go, but it has to be centered around the person who was hurt. What do they need? What do they want? Um, what is best for them? Um, and how can you help them? Yeah, that's so good. I was thinking about, I mean, so I was living in New York, going to Hillsong under Carl's leadership. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, you know, for my personal experience, how do I prevent passivity with the people that I went to church with mm-hmm. there that I knew personally that were hurt by his, um, his conduct, we'll say. <laughs> I don't know the words because I wasn't hurt by it mainly because I didn't think that highly of him. Like, mm. I guess I, I wasn't, I respected his position, but I also just was like, you're human. So like when this kind of stuff came out, I was just like, mm. okay, he's human. Yeah. Like, yes, I do think that he was as a leader, he was called to, you know, a higher standard. Mm. But at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm human. He's human. We are literally the second that we take God out of our, you know, Mm -hmm. focus, Mm -hmm. we're going to fail. So I guess that that was my kind of perspective. So I wasn't like hurt by it. However, I know people who really were because he invested in them. He was specifically leading them and it felt suddenly like he was leading them astray. Right. And that trust was so broken. So I'm trying to think of like, okay, how do I prevent the passivity for me specifically, how do I take action on something that hasn't happened to me? How can I see it? Yeah. yeah. That's, and I know we've kind yeah. of talked about listening and stuff like that, but yeah, I was yeah. wondering if there's anything else to add to that. So, um, you know, I think this is like, this is like a psychological idea or term. I don't know all the details around it, but I know that there's specific people who are just born empaths, right? Like empathetic, yeah. everything's emotional. They connect, they carry, you know, everyone's story and burden. I'm one of those people. So, so when I see people that aren't like that, like, I'm just like, okay, like that's just not how you were born. Right. Mm-hmm. But regardless of how you were born and what emotions you have and all this stuff, scripture 
invites us to something different, right? So 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And so there is this collective pain that we get to carry with one another, Mm. right? Um, And you don't need to be an empath to be able to really see that like, wow, if my pinky hurts and is broken, I'm, I'm as a person in pain. And that's what the scripture is talking about, because this is Paul talking about the body of Christ. And this specifically in this scripture in first Corinthians talking about the body of Christ, right? And if he's saying one member, if one piece of the body is suffering, then all of the body is suffering. Mm -hmm. And so really taking that seriously, really understanding um, that if someone else is suffering, that is a brother or sister, obviously any human being in the world, um, but especially someone within the body of Christ is suffering, then our suffering is actually together. Um, same thing mm-hmm. with obviously if someone's rejo- rejoicing. And the thing is, we'll do the latter. Like if someone's rejoicing, oh, we'll rejoice with them. We'll, hi- we'll get hype unless we're hating. But like, you know, like yeah. we'll, get, <laughs> we'll get hyped and all that stuff for that person. But very rare cases when someone is suffering, do we enter the suffering with them? We'll look at the suffering from a distance, but it's actually choosing to enter the suffering with them with boundaries right? And with like self-awareness for yourself to not like, um, uh, there's something called vicarious trauma, which is by hearing other people's trauma, you then carry and actually experience the same trauma. So being very careful to not get vicarious trauma because it don't help nobody for you to be traumatized and everybody around you be traumatized. Yeah. 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 So carry the suffering, but in a responsible way. And I think that Mm. is, um, a way to see people, in their suffering. And even if we had did not experience that, I too went to Hillsong. Um, and I didn't, I didn't ever meet Carl, <laughs> um, you know, cause I mean, it was very hard. It was a very big church when all that happened, you know, um, I knew a few people that, um, I actually like left the faith. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I did is enter the suffering with them, um, paying less attention to Carl. Cause I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know that man. I can't text him to be responsible, whatever. So I'm going to be in the suffering with these folks if they would allow me to. Um, and actually some folks just wouldn't like, they would distance themselves from me, which is okay. But I still suffered with them, which meant I prayed for them. Yeah. I, I, you know, I prayed for their healing. I would witness, um, I would hope to witness their growth and the, and their, um, restoration. Right. So, Suffering with someone can actually look quite a lot of different ways. It doesn't actually even have to mean that you're physically somewhere with them. It's actually um, just being able to carry their suffering with your own boundaries. Being able to carry their suffering with your own boundaries. Yeah. That needs to be on a shirt, on a billboard, like carry suffering with your own boundaries. That is like gold. (laughs) Yeah. Because I think the boundaries piece is so important, especially Mm -hmm. with like you're talking about to prevent that vicarious trauma, which I've actually shockingly never heard that term, but that makes so much sense that I'm like yeah. so many life. I mean, I worked, I'm a social worker, so I worked a lot of years. Right. And I experienced vicarious trauma. And so I had to, you know, take care of myself and how to like avoid that. And when we think about it, the only person that could possibly suffer with us and not need boundaries is Jesus. Yeah. Because he's, you know, he's it, right? But the rest of us need boundaries. <laughs> like yeah. we yes, we should be like Jesus, but we don't know how to be, be in that way. So we, we need to um, establish boundaries when suffering with someone else. Yeah. So you have said um, action words that I wanted to highlight because I think whenever I was talking about the private versus public, you, you 
have articulated it so well. And I want to hit the bullet points one more time just to drive them home because there is, um, listen, Mm -hmm. there's pray, there's disciple. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the boundaries should be on there too. Yeah. Like those are the things that like, if you had to just kind of put just action item words, I feel like you're, you're saying the perfect thing to take the appropriate action. Mm-hmm. And it's all of those kind of action item words. So even if how you said, if your friend wants you to do something about it, there's something that you can absolutely do, do whatever they're asking you to do. But if they're saying nothing, you can still listen, you can still pray, you can still disciple, and you can still hold your boundaries. And all of those things are linking arms, walking together towards healing. Mm-hmm. So. That's like, if you're in the thick of it, right. With someone, or you talk to someone and this is what's happening in their world. How can we talk about it? If we feel disconnected from it, you know, how can we bring this up in our day-to-day conversation so we can honestly find out like who, I don't know how many people just bring this up in regular, like, how was your day? Well, this is what happened. You know, (laughs) how can we talk about this to create the awareness that moves towards action? Mm, yeah. And what do we not talk about? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's talking about if you want, if wanting to bring it up in a conversation or if you are thinking about it, it's like, the question is what is hurting the church? And this mm. is one of them, right? So there are several things hurting the church, but cause sometimes if you just like go into and like, let's talk about church hurt, or like, let's talk about trauma. <laughs> we're like, um, next, you know, but yeah. if we're just like, what is hurting the church? Um, so let's talk about it. What are the things hurting the church? This is one of them. This is what I think. This is what I see. Um, I don't know a lot about this. I wonder if you know, stuff like that. So, and, and people, people don't like to say those words. I don't know a lot about this or I don't know. Right. But it's totally okay to say those things. Um, and what to not talk about. I think, oof, there's twofold, um, how to not talk about it and also how to not talk to someone who's experienced it. So the first one on how to not talk about it is kind of like what we talked about before is not talk about it as if it's a distant problem if you haven't experienced it right like well mm, you know right um mm. those people over there mm. or the church is walling or just the pastors or just the men or just this this and that and i'm like you're a finger you're a piece of neck wherever you whatever you want to consider you're part of the body <laughs> you are a part so it's not yeah. those people over there it's you right here you're a part of the collective um body and then how to not talk um to people who are who have just experienced it or are in the healing process um is a few things to not talk to them as if they are a victim of anything they are mm. so they are survivor mm-hmm. right regardless of how they feel about it they have survived it right mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. the second thing is to not talk to them by including your own experience that seems similar people love to be like well you know because when I was five I was like I don't care what happened when you were five bro (laughs) oh my gosh yes projection of like I'm going to help you right now by telling you how I've gone through something similar and anyone who's gone through trauma which is literally every human being can tell you that that is so ineffective but it's also re-traumatizing right so let's yeah. stop telling our stories <laughs> uh, unless yeah. we're asked um and and just certain words there's certain words that could perhaps be triggering I also always say 
ask the person what they call it. Some people say church hurt. Absolutely not. It, it wasn't hurt. It was abuse. Hurt mm. is cute, a cute word, right? Or some people mm. are like, no, not it wasn't abuse. It was spiritual trauma, um, or religious mm. trauma. Like ask the person the language that they that you want they want you to use while talking about their experience. Because even using the wrong terms, right, or a term that perhaps they're not using, can um, yeah, not make them feel seen or listen to that. So there are ways to approach this, and there are ways that don't work in both um, thinking about it. And having conversations with people just in general about it, but also speaking specifically to those who have been hurt um, is just very be careful. And honestly, I would just say when you're talking to folks, just say, listen, just be quiet. <laughs> like, yeah, literally say the, the least amount of things that you can. Um, and then if you know you feel led to say some things, speak. You know what's happening in my mind right now is I'm going through thinking like, oh my gosh, when did I say something that I was like trying to make someone? I'm trying to like, I'm trying to relate. I'm trying to relate, but then I'm like, we they do don't it. need it's me to relate. Natural. They don't need it's me to do natural. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they need me to listen. They don't need me to relate. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's it. Yeah. It applies to anything that has been traumatizing, right? So, yeah. um, with racism, with me too, like anything that has been traumatizing this this oh I have a story for you no I'm good yeah (laughs) (laughs) well you know what that's also like I feel like I've directly heard from people that that's why they don't share Mm -hmm. their trauma yeah is because they know that that's what they're going to be met with yeah yeah or not believed or not believed so many people so many people Mm -hmm. mm-hmm Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm like, my brain is like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is thinking about from 10 years ago, that moment when I was talking to that person <laughs> yeah. on 46th Street and they were really going through something that I <laughs> did I take take no, honestly, it is I've totally done it. I've totally done it. I've totally done that. And even thinking of like whenever uh the racial conversation was elevated a few years ago not well more than a few years ago I think is whenever I was just thinking back on what did I say to my friends that was ignorant that I went and I mean I'm paragraphs like I was just going apologies and paragraphs and paragraphs like I'm so sorry I know I said I know I said this one thing and I'm I know that I'm so ignorant I'm so sorry and you know it was uh, it was met with different responses but it was one of those things that I was like I have to take responsibility on this because I could have caused some type of hurt yeah and so now I'm thinking that's what's like I'm thinking back on have I said anything that caused further hurt or someone. Yeah. Yeah. And what paragraphs do I need to start writing? <laughs> <laughs> and who do I need them? To, who do I need to send them to? Most people, I think most people survive from it and move on from it, but it can, what it would probably do though, is change something in the relationship. Yeah. So perhaps the person doesn't, isn't as open with you or won't right. share certain things because they already know, okay, a story's coming. So I don't think, I don't, you know, it's, it's, not always the worst thing, but it can create the perception that you are not a safe person because right. you don't know how to respond. respond. To yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's important that we all individually reflect on. 
Are you a safe person? Have you done something that makes people think that you're not? Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. I mean, I even told Bethany yesterday, I was like, I feel like the season, the week that I'm in, I feel like my head is so far up my own butt. I don't know what's happening in other people's lives. And it's like <laughs> killing me because mm-hmm. I'm like, I, w- I want to be so present for other people. And I had, you know, two friends that stuff happened. I had a friend who had a birthday and I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I want I just feel like my, I'm so all consumed with myself right now that it's driving me nuts personally. I'd like, I hate this, but then I'm also like, I don't know how to get out of it. So I'm in this like weird spot, but anyway, that's that's a story. story. That's an important example because sometimes I think people end up uh, telling their own stories because of their in seasons like you, where they actually are a little overwhelmed. And so they actually end up, you know, spilling and, you know, just all this stuff. And it's just like, should have thought before like coming to even try to listen to this person because now it's about you <laughs> you know now it's right. about you so I think it's even discerning like you are aware you are in the season right mm-hmm. so many people will literally act like they're not and yeah. that also is a part like of the problem yeah you're so right I have I have I've definitely been the person that was like okay I'm going for help and then how did I end up giving help mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my help was all run out yeah I don't, how am I here <laughs> yeah how is this happening? Okay. So let's say that, so we've talked about like, okay, what do we do if this happens to a friend or how can we walk with someone else through this? But what about if it happens to us? Like, how can we heal from either yeah. uh, any kind of, I guess, trauma that we've discussed or church hurt or spiritual trauma or, you know, the terms that you already mentioned? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's five things, Ooh. actually four things. Um, healing is always collective healing never happens by yourself. Um, and obviously, and there's a huge discernment needed to know who can walk with you in the healing. Um, cause I think actually we, we heal from the body with the body, but with the safe people in the body. Right. Um, and so collectively healing from the body with the body, um, time, it takes time and not oh um, um, time heals all wounds if you don't do nothing no healing will happen (laughs) so it don't matter how much time exactly but it will take time um scripture scripture is essential for healing because it talks about it jesus himself went through um i would say church hurt when we give examples of the story of barabbas uh when he's on the cross though that is the religious people people who claim to follow and love god um dehumanizing him and if that, that ain't church hurt, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a willingness to heal. If we are not willing to heal, as in if we want to heal, and if we just want to stay angry and bitter and traumatized, then we won't. Then we won't heal. So there needs to be a willingness also to heal. Um, and then the plug is that I have free resources on my website yes. on this. Um, I have a free devotional, um, five-day devotional, a free guide on how to heal, but also a free guide if you want to be the church to those who have been wounded. Um, and so there's several different um, resources on my website because I talk about this a lot and create resources around it. Um, but yeah, seeking out resources, there's plenty of people um, and there's so many books that um, are speaking to this. And so being able to res- resource yourself uh, when it comes to the healing process, because it's not going to happen by not doing anything, but collectively through time, uh, with scripture, willingness to heal and with resources. Love it. Now you said you're, you have some free resources on your website. What's your website? 
Um, it's at wearefullcollective.com. We are fullcollective.com. Full Collective is stolen. It's some like media company that no one knows about. Um, <laughs> so I had to put we are. <laughs> but people oh, always call the ministry we are full collective, and I'm like, it's not we are, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I love it. Okay, we are fullcollective.com for the full collective ministry. And what is your Instagram so we can keep up with all the things you're doing and whenever this yes. book happens yes um it's Priscilla's pd so p-r-i-c-e-l-i-s-p-d um and then i also have a Substack where i write um mm. to the church around this um mainly for those who have been hurt but it, i think it also can be very an effective tool for those who haven't been hurt to just get a different uh, a perspective on how to you know approach people and serve people in this way so healing from the body on Substack. Awesome. amazing you are amazing. Love you so much. Thank you Love for hanging you. out with us today. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out today. I pray that you're able to see yourself how the Lord sees you so you can hold your head a little higher and shine your confidence a little brighter. I would so appreciate if you would leave a review, subscribe, and share this with a friend. And of course, I want to stay connected with you. Find me on Instagram at Ainsley B. And my website is ainsleybritton.com. See y'all later.